Dear listeners, Sai Ram and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 27th November 2014 have a listen please offering humble pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet dear listeners we welcome you to this week's episode of afternoon satsang it's been 3 weeks and we are back to the beautiful story of lord rama we are following the ramakatha raswaini series and we are in a very important part in that story because this is where a lot of important changes and in a sense some would say that the mission of lord rama begins in right earnest at this point of the story but as always before we go there let us begin by remembering the beautiful and nectarous name of lord shri rama shri raghavam दशरथात्मजमे सीतापति रघुकुलामयरत्नदीप offering our humble pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet and our pranams to lord hanuman who is ever present wherever the glory of the story of rama is sung and uh, as we go back to the story we said this is a very important point in the story in the sense because you know when we spoke about swami's life one aspect of swami's personality if you could say that which kept coming out in glorious hues was swami's ability to remain equanimous and mm. swami's ability to forbear with 
you know, changes which would happen in life. That was something which stood out. And uh, when we discussed about Swami's life, we said how that is a very important trait of divinity which Swami wanted all of us to imbibe. You know, what Swami would call as Kshama and what Swami would call as equanimity. You know, the important trait. We had reached that point in the story when... Uh... To precisely say where we stopped, Mantra has kind of managed to convince Kaikai about the two boons that she has to ask. She has poisoned Kaikai's mind. And Kaikai has walked away into the hall of anger. And now Dasharatha walks into the chambers of Kaikai. Incidentally, the palace of King Dasharatha, Emperor Dasharatha, was called Vardhamana. Mm-hmm. Swami uh, notes it somewhere later in the Ramkatha Rasavahini. And he says that it stood as impressive as Mount Kailas in the Himalayas. Okay. So, in Vardhamana, there were uh, different chambers. And Emperor Dasharatha now walks into the chambers of Queen Kaikei in order to convey the great rejoicing news that he has decided to crown Rama as the crown prince and also crown him as the heir apparent. So, two important events are going to happen just in that morning after sunrise. Not only is he going to make him a crown prince, he's also going to crown him as the heir apparent. And so, when he comes, he is actually shocked. Because when he visited Kausalya's chambers and when he visits Sumitra's chambers, he can see that joy and that kind of enthusiasm and energy surging around. Nobody is able to sleep though it is quite late in the evening. In fact, it's almost night now, but still nobody is sleeping. Everybody is rejoicing and preparing for the grand event of the coronation the next day. But all that is absent in Kaikei's chambers. And he's surprised and he's wondering what has happened. That is when he sees, you know, a few ornaments, a few jewels of the queen lying scattered on the floor and he wonders what has happened. That is when he gets the news that she has retired into the Kopagraha or the chamber that the queen goes into when she is angry. And the minute Dasharatha gets to know this, his own blood boils. He wonders who or what has made the queen so angry that she is able to you know, forget the fact that Tomorrow Rama is getting coronated and get so angry. Which means this might be a very very strong trigger. Otherwise, Kaikei loves Rama so much. And Dasharatha expects that Kaikei will celebrate even more than Kausalya. Because it was very strongly believed that Kaikei's love for Rama far exceeded even Rama's own mother Kausalya's love for Rama. And therefore, uh, Dasharatha has come with a lot of energy and bounce in his step to convey to Kaikei. Because he wants to watch her magnificent reaction to this beautiful piece of news. And this is not the kind of anticlimax that he expected. Interestingly, you know, last time when we were speaking about Ramakatha Swami, we said that how Swami places a few facts, which is very interesting to note, because if we were to follow those things in, in the trail which Swami lays in the narration of the story, we actually get to see our own nature and see how we do mistakes. Mm. In a sense, one of the arguments which uh, Mantara gives Kaikei is that, why hasn't the news come to you? Like, you know, it has gone to Kaushalya, it has gone to Sumitra, the whole palace is rejoicing, but nobody has come and told you. And, but when the point comes when Dasharatha is about to come to Kaikei, Swami writes there, you know, very beautifully in Ramkatra Swami, Swami writes that Dasharatha comes out of his chambers after having made all the arrangements for the next day. So now he has to go and convey to the queens. So Swami writes there, Dasharatha stops and thinks, even before I go and tell Kaushalya and Sumitra, let me go and tell Kaikei. Hmm. So apparently till now, Dasharatha has not met any of the queens. Hmm. He says that, okay, the person who will be most happy to hear this news will be Kaikei, not even Kaushalya, the mother of Rama. So let me go and convey to Kaikei first. So imagine, you know, Swami is laying out this whole scenario here, how not knowing the facts, you get into an anger and the anger 
it's a different lane you keep progressing in that you don't even stop to see whether that anger is justified you've already made assumptions and you've taken actions based on the assumptions and you've already progressed but when you stop and think you find that the whole thing is meaningless because the first pretext of your anger itself has been removed and has been proved false so similarly you know dashrata stops and says that let me first go and meet kaiki in the second chapter of the bhagavad gita i think it is uh, the shloka 62 63 we had discussed this before also where lord krishna says that this attachment to worldly things dhyayate vishayan pumsah he starts that he says that this attachment to things which lead to desire is actually the root cause of all the misery and sorrow in the world he actually even delineates the progression mm-hmm. he says that attachment leads to desire desire leads to kama which is lust because you know desire can be positive even you choose that when you want god and when you intensely long for god that's also a desire that's a good desire so lust is meant to indicate the negative the bad desires you know getting attached to things that you're not supposed to so he says that that leads to lust and that kind of lust leads to frustration because uh, when you are not able to achieve the object of your desire you get frustrated frustration leads to anger and he says once you get angry it leads to loss of discrimination and then krishna says loss of discrimination is the penultimate step before ultimate ruin because once you lose your sense of discrimination that is the only thing that distinguishes man from animals the sense of discrimination in anger when you lose sense of discrimination that's it and we can see that happening in manthara and it has now been transmitted from manthara to kaikeyi and that is what has happened in this case and that is why when dasharatha goes and sees kaikeyi in the kopagraha he is appalled at her state she is looking miserable she has wiped out the sindhur from her forehead her hair is unkempt her saree is disheveled and she is lying down and she is weeping inconsolably and in that moment you know dasharatha is pulled between two feelings one is rage as to who is it that who has done this to my wife my favorite wife and my queen who is going to celebrate this news the most on the other hand it is tremendous love and compassion for his wife who is in such a pathetic state so he goes to her and he he asks what happened kaikai tell me what is it kaikai you are my most beloved charming beloved you know how you are more valuable to me than my own life itself what is it that has brought you to this condition and when he asks this means he least expects the response that kaikai gives him she just lashes out so she just says you don't speak okay all these are words of course i am not using swami's words swami writes it so beautifully in mellifluous english beautiful words but we can get an idea of the feeling through those words and i am trying to convey the same with my limited vocabulary so she just says you don't speak okay because what you are saying is just nonsense it is just thin air you don't mean any of it you just call me as the most endearing one but i am actually not in fact you have cheated me you have broken my trust and i don't trust you anymore and interestingly you know when mantra comes and tells her that this is what you have to do and you'll have to protect yourself by asking for these boons you know kaikeyi says that let me go and ask dashratha so mantra says that you know you cannot go and ask like this hmm. you will have to build up you know give a build up <laughs> and you know create a scenario by which the uh, king can never go back when he promises to give you these boons and then she suggests to do all these things throw things around and you know make sure that your apartment appears as angry as you are you yes, know, so that, that uh, tempest has right so that the you know dashrata will be slowly drawn into your uh, your mood of being upset and apparently manthara also comes and plays her part here right exactly she comes and the king looks at manthara and says manthara you know you know kaikai better than anybody else you have taken care of her from ever since she was a baby what is it that has affected her and manthara plays an expert actress role where she says that oh lord forgive me i this is for the first time in my life that i am unable to gauge what's happening to kaikai i don't know what has happened to her 
and now when i see that she is not ready to even confide into you you who are her husband who are her other half how on earth can i ever expect her to confide into me even i have no idea okay but i feel that you better do something immediately because the way she has been if she goes on like this it will not be much time before she loses her own life that is the amount of sorrow and pain and anger that she is undergoing please o king i plead with you as i would plead for my daughter's life please please don't let kaika lose her life you know she adds more to the guilt of emperor dasharatha plays her part to extreme perfection and then walks out of the chambers and that's when you know in the process of trying to convince kaikai that she doesn't have to worry and she doesn't have to you know uh, let temper play its role because dashratha promises her that whatever it is that has caused her to be upset and he is not going to spare any efforts to put that person or that event to rest you know that's what dashratha says that you you ask me anything what is it that's troubling you you tell me what is troubling you and you know in the process how beautifully swami brings even the dialogues swami writes that dashratha tells mother kaikai that there are only two people who are dear to me among all women you are the one who is most dear to me because you're my favorite queen and among all men the one who is dear to me is lord rama okay? rama my son right rama. my son uh, rama so i would not accept anything which brings sadness or uh, misery to you or rama so he says that whatever it is that you want to be uh, done you know to bring peace to you i promise on my son rama that i will do it you tell me what you want swami uses such beautiful literary techniques one is he's hinting at what's going to happen this i remember i forget the name i remember reading it in our sanskrit classes mm-hmm. where some expert sanskrit poets would actually drop in hints of what's going to happen so that a truly intense reader is able to enjoy the story more because he's able to predict what's going to happen and that is how swami leaves you know uh, he opens up the plot to the irony that's going to happen because here he says that i swear on my son rama because rama is the most dear to me among men just as you are the most dear to me among women so it lays out that something is going to happen you know it is so beautiful that swami indicates that is when kaika bursts and she tells dasharatha don't give me any new promises you have not yet fulfilled two promises that you have given me and she reminds him i think we narrated this episode right. in the last satsang previous satsang she reminds dasharatha that two promises are due and when dasharatha hears this he tells the queen is that all i mean so is that the cause for your anger and uh, all this what is what is the thing kaika that is not at all a matter of you ask why to ask more if you want but kaika says no no i don't want more i just want those two he says yes kaika ask what are those two and like two powerful hammer strokes which break dasharatha's hearts she just as a matter of factly she gets up turns away from the emperor and states both her desires one that instead of rama my son bharata at the crack of dawn should be made the crown prince and the heir apparent for ayodhya and second thing is that rama should be banished to the in the dandakaranya aranya means forest the dandaka forest for a period of 14 years and then there's absolute silence as kaika is waiting for dasharatha response and dasharatha is now in a state of he is looking like a mighty banyan tree that has been uprooted by a sudden unexpected gale storm and the first question that comes to his mind is kaika okay bharata will make i can understand your love for bharata but what has hurt him more is not that bharata has to become ruler but just now he has said that rama is my favorite why why kaika why do you want to push off rama to the forest what did rama do to you what is what is this is this a joke that you are playing because kaika even jokes have a limit if it is a joke why did you have to come to the kopagraha and even if you are playing a joke because it you wanted to be a really good joke this is the limit i mean these are matters on which you shouldn't even joke that is what dasharatha wails out to kaikai 
I mean, you can just imagine even that very same dialogue where he says you are the favorite among women in Ramam. I mean, Swami is also portraying the way Dasharta has been, uh, you know, torn apart because he is saying that today is the happiest day of my life because I am going to coronate Lord Rama who is the, the favorite among men for me and I am seeing you so sad. So he is actually torn apart between the happiest moment of his life and to see somebody whom he loves so much in misery. Could be the saddest you know, moment of his life. Right. And right now what he gets is like the blow of from the blue. I mean, he just cannot take it. Swami says that he starts uh, becoming so nervous, he's not able to talk. He just collapses to the floor and he says, what are you saying? And you know, the way Swami describes this whole scene is itself very beautiful because first Swami says that she's very angry, she's not ready to talk. She starts abusing the king saying that you're a person of a double tongue, you, you talk sweetly but you don't mean what you talk and all that. Then finally, you know, Dashrata pacifies her. She pretends as though she's pacified. You know, she says, yes, I have hope that you will do what I ask for. And then she asks this and when she asks the bone, she says, either you give me these two bones or you permit me to kill myself. You know, that is the predicament she places in front of Dashrata. And Dashrata is, I mean, he has nothing to do and that's when, right, that's when the argumentation and the, in in the form of lamentation begins. Yes, it's less of an argument, it's just that, you know, Dashrata, even in that state of extreme emotional shock, for every single statement that Kaikei makes, you know, he comes out pouring his heart forth. Here, you know, Kaikei is speaking from her mind and Dasharatha from his heart. His heart is being torn apart. Here is Kaikei who wants prosperity and glory. Here is Dasharatha who wants to save his life. He's like a dying man. And so when Kaikei says that, you know, what will be the respect of the Ikshvaku clan? Ragukula Rita Sadachala Aye Pran Jaye Par Vachanna Jaye. They are famed for upholding their word. And you have given a word and I've asked for my boons. And now if you don't uphold the word, what will happen to your dynasty? And then Dasharatha laments, Oh Kaika, what do you speak of dynasty? What will remain of my dynasty? If you send away Rama, you know what? What will people think? Imagine this has been such a lineage and what a king I have been. You know, in one night, I have decided to make my son the crown prince. And within moments, I have decided to make him the heir apparent. And the next moment, I am banishing him to the forest. Three decisions of great magnitude which are taken in great periods of time. I am taking it over in one night. I mean, that will be the beginning of Ilfemi for the whole dynasty. They will call me as the most stupid and the most terrible emperor to have ever ruled. And after that, Kaika, what what will remain of the dynasty? You think that when Rama goes to the forest, it's just Rama going to the forest? Rama resides in the hearts of everyone in Ayodhya, including your heart and my heart. So, when Rama goes to the forest, all our hearts are in the forest. Who is there to live in, rule in Ayodhya? I am sure Bharata will follow. Uh, Kausalya will be heartbroken. She may not survive. I will definitely die. Nothing will happen. Everybody will follow Rama to the forest. Who will be there to rule and who will be there to get ruled? Because Bharata will also follow Rama. The residents of Ayodhya will also follow Rama. Oh, Kaika, I plead to you on this day which could possibly be the most crowning moment of glory for the entire Ikshwaku clan. Please don't make it the day of debacle and the worst possible situation for that very same clan. And you know, in that one moment, you can imagine the way Kaika falls in the eyes of Dasharatha. You know, from that person who is the closest to his life to a person who, you know, he hates so much. He's saying that, what is wrong with you? You know, I always thought that you were the apple of my eye. Now you've become the curse of my life. You know, that is the change which, you know, this character of Kaika is suddenly having in uh, Rama's eyes. Exactly. And you know, when you're angry and your heart is torn apart, it's like a drowning man clutching at straws. He tries everything. He says, Kaika, you have been such a horrible woman. I never knew you. You have been like that golden sword which cut my neck. I got lured by the gold, but I have cut my neck. What terrible it is. You know, 
Swami, the words he uses in when he writes it, it's such strong words. He says, generations to come will speak of Dasharatha as the person who in his desire to bed with a woman, ruined, ruined the entire dynasty, ruined the entire kingdom, ruined everybody. Kaika, you are that wild woman who have come like poison in the disguise of milk. I thought this would be milk that would make my kingdom flourish. But you are a poison that is killing my kingdom. You know, I assumed that you would be a decoration around my neck, but you turned out to be a rope that is like a noose, which is going to kill me and the entire kingdom. He lashes out and thrashes out against Kaika. And in fact, in that moment, Dasharatha has moved from sorrow to anger. And in fact, he tells Kaika that, you know what, come what may, whatever you want, you go, do. I don't care. But I am not going to cancel this coronation. I am not going to send, you know, Rama to the forest. And that is when again Kaika begins needling Dasharatha saying that, will Rama like this? Will Rama like this stain on the dynasty? That is how she starts pricking and needling Dasharatha again. And again, you know, you can see that beautiful transition. The minute Rama's name is mentioned, the anger is gone. Rama always has this magical effect on Dasharatha. The anger is gone and again now it is replaced with great sorrow. He says, Kaika, you know Rama. You know Rama, how much he loves you. Till now he was speaking about how people love Rama. Now he's saying about how Rama loves everyone. He says, you have seen the kind of steps he has taken even as a prince. You have seen how his heart is always for the people. You have seen how much he loves you. In fact, you yourself confided to me the other day that Rama's love for you seems to be greater than Rama's love for Kausalya. He's such a tender petaled flower in our family. And how can you so cruelly crush him? Can you even imagine what will happen to Rama? Have you even thought over what you're speaking? And he tries to, you know, bring out that vatsalyam or motherly love that Kaika has towards Rama. But Kaika doesn't seem to melt at all. She just sticks to her stand and she says, whatever you may say, O king, I'm just telling you this much, that if you don't fulfill these two wishes of mine, Kaika will not be alive tomorrow. Questions will be asked and everyone will know how you have been the worst emperor of this whole clan. How this clan is nothing but a bunch of liars because they don't keep up their promise. And that is a kind of ill-femi that your dynasty cannot afford. So make up your mind. And before we started the description of this particular interaction which happens, we said what happens when you don't know the facts and you are given to anger and how the anger rages in spite of there being no you know, base for uh, the the anger itself in the first place. And that's exactly what is going to happen to all of us when we go through this story without knowing certain facts which Swami alone has revealed in the later years. But before we come to that turning point and that, you know, redeeming uh, event in this particular story of the Ramayana, I think let's take a short break because at the other side of this break, the person for whom we had admiration, the person for whom we had anger, you know, the emotions may completely change and switch. So let's come to that. Uh, just before the break, Prem, just one more little addition because to make this whole thing complete, See, it shows that when you are so deeply attached and you love something or somebody so much, you are ready to go to any extent. So we have seen Dasharatha move from pleading to criticizing to scolding to crying to everything, anger. Swami writes that as a last resort, you know what Dasharatha says? You can't believe it. You can't believe it. the same Dasharatha saying it. Dasharatha says, oh Kaika, you are the noblest among all women. You know, your nobility and goodness is not matched by anybody in this whole universe. And I'm sure that what you're saying now is just some kind of because of bad time or because something has happened. This is not you definitely. Okay, I I plead to you, I beg you. If you want, I'll fall at your feet. Because you are worthy to be worshipped. It's not that I'm asking you that I want to fall at your feet. But you are worthy of worship. Oh mother, you are like that. 
so please you know he even tries to praise and but kaika is not at all moved and as you said dear listeners don't go away because after the break we'll also get an insight as to what gave kaika that kind of strong resolve not to budge because it's a fact that kaike loved rama more than kausalya and rama loved kaike more than kausalya more than what he loved his own mother you know of course there is the cause of manthara igniting all this in kaikei but it makes any logical mind wonder how could years and years of love and goodness exchanged be tarnished within minutes of gossip that beautiful part which swami has himself explained we'll come to after the break enjoy this song in the meanwhile and we'll come back after the break
in our assembly classes mm-hmm. in the morning we would chant this asatoma sadgamaya twice is it <laughs> <laughs> you you don't remember we used to chant it twice okay. so I, I don't know so I, my ears perked up just now when you said that two boons so is there something magical about number 2 no because i used to wonder because mm-hmm. whenever we uh, read something like the arabian nights or something like that mm-hmm. you would have the genie three. giving three boons yeah, you know, three, three. Uh, you can make three wishes but in indian culture it was always two boons okay you know there's an interesting episode which happens this happens in mahabharata where it is it explains why this is two boons you know when uh, after draupadi has been uh, put through that 
very bad episode of Vastraharana or where she's disrobing. trying to be disrobed in, in the court and all that. You know, then Vyasa describes that she spurs like a serpent. Hmm. And that is when Dhritarashtra finally wakes up and he realizes, oh my God, this is the Prativrata whom we have you know, insulted. insulted. And that could be you know, ruin for the entire clan. After all this, he realizes, oh God, what have I done? I shouldn't have permitted this to happen. Hmm. So then he gets up and, and then that's when she says that I want uh, Duryodhana to be killed like this. Dushasana should be killed like this and I will not uh, tie my hair till that happens. Hmm. All and, the vows that Right, and Dhritarashtra starts you know, shivering. shivering because his attachment to his son is legendary you know, to say the least. So that's what Dhritarashtra says in trying to calm down Draupati. He says, I'm very sorry for what has happened. You ask me for anything, I will give you, I will bless you with whatever you ask. Hmm. So Draupati says, okay, restore all my, uh, you know, husbands. They should no more be slaves. So Dhritarashtra says, okay, granted. But I'm not satisfied. Ask me for something more. Hmm. So she says, whatever they've lost in this game of dice, let it be given back to them. Hmm. Meaning the wealth and the kingdom and all that. So Dhritarashtra says, okay, granted. I'll give that back to you. And he says that still I'm not satisfied. Please ask me for something more. Hmm. At this point, it seems Draupati says that I don't want anything more. Hmm. Because I know that according to the rules of Dharma, when somebody is ready to give anything that you ask for, you should not ask for more than two boons. Okay. She is asking for that third boon. Third boon actually results in adharma. Aha. And the beauty is, Dhritarashtra knew this very well. And he okay. was trying to trap Draupati. Saying that, you know, can I trap her to do something which is unrighteous? And you know, Draupati who knew the rules very well, she said, no, I cannot ask for more than twice. And that is why always there will be only an offer of two boons. And okay. And I think it's, it's such an interesting lesson, important lesson for all of us. You know, when somebody is ready to give whatever you ask for, you know, you should have a limit of how much you can ask. Because even asking more from the person who is ready to give more can actually be a, an adharmic uh, activity to do. You know, that ceiling on desires. Swami never says don't have desires. He mm-hmm. says ceiling on desires. Right. Uh, I was not aware that the dharmic ceiling was too. <laughs> it's interesting. You know, because even as you were narrating, I was just thinking that if I, I was in Draupadi's place and he says ask one more, the next would be, you know what, you put your Duryodhana to death now. <laughs> you kill him for what he has done. But uh, it or if sh- she could have just asked for uh, Astinapura. Huh, yeah. No, I felt that if she asked for Hastinapur also, it shows great restraint on her part. Right. Because in that moment, when you have been so badly humiliated, I feel even a good person because I feel I, I and you are good people. <laughs> we would have wanted something back, you know, to assuage that pain in our heart. If not, at least parade him half naked in the kingdom or something like that, you know. Just humiliate him just he has humiliated me. But one thing is that she is not vengeful. In fact, Swami praises Draupadi's uh, Kshama when even Ashwatthama murders all her five sons. And at that time, Draupadi says, no, no, don't do anything to Ashwatthama because if you kill him, I know the pangs of a mother who has lost her children. I don't want Ashwatthama's mother to suffer the same. So, Swami would actually shed tears and he would become very, very, in quotes, emotional while speaking about Draupadi because... He himself has written, you know, he has written a poem in which he concludes right. by saying, Draupadi ki saatiye pativrateyo ledu. Right. And uh, so, it's amazing that uh, this also had very interesting story. It was nice listening to it, Prem. I got a smile because I was wondering that Dasharatha would have felt that, you know, asking for the third boon would have made Kaika adharmic. But here she goes, in the first boon and second boon itself, she has played out the greatest adharma. And at that moment in time, the kind of hatred and anger that he has towards Kaike is unbelievable. And as we read the story, we also feel it is justified because any one of us feel the same. 
you know we might not feel the same for rama because we don't know rama but if we just put swami in the place you know if somebody says drive swami out of yajur mandim let him walk on the road let let thorns prick his feet how how our heart would bleed you know how we can't stand even a little pain that is given to our swami see that is the kind of feeling that people had and dasharatha is now the father there so it is totally understandable and that is what we feel that the greatest villainous of the whole ramayana far greater than even shurpanaka or tataki is kaikey that is what we feel right and uh, as we said before we go to the point where swami himself talks you know th- this particular episode of uh, mantara telling kaikey what to ask for though swami is himself made it very clear in his discourses much later there mm-hmm. are some hints dropped even by other authors of ramayana mm-hmm. in fact if you see uh, i think the original version of uh, valmiki ramayana there it seems mantara does not tell kaikey to ask about the 14 years she just says that rama should be sent to the forest hmm. and she does not specify which forest but these two details are added when kaikeyi asks dashratha oh dandaka right kaikeyi says that let him be sent to dandakaranya and let him be sent for 14 years okay and this is a hint dropped by the other authors who of course have not told this part of the story which you're going to play now and i think we have dragged it along for too long and uh, <laughs> keeping the suspense too long may right. result in people throwing stones in at us attempt to build the suspense we might reveal too much more than we should uh, should be doing so let's go straight to the discourse where swami says a very beautiful fact and kind of gives a wonderful twist to the entire story and at the end of it we'll continue to discuss this story and this important point in the ramayana అనేకమంది మంది జాతకాలని ముహూర్తాలని ఈ పిచ్చి పిచ్చి భావాలు పెట్టుకుని కొంతవరకు తబ్బిబ్బైపోతుంటారు పీపుల్ ఆర్ కన్ఫ్యూజ్ బికాస్ ఆఫ్ సర్టెన్ ఫీలింగ్స్ రిలేటెడ్ టు ద హారోస్కోప్స్ ఈ పట్టాభిషేకమునకు ఎవరు ముహూర్తం పెట్టిండేది హూ హెడ్ సెట్ దట్ ఆస్పిషియస్ మూమెంట్ ఫర్ కరుణ సాక్షాత్ బ్రహ్మరుషి అయినటువంటి వశిష్ఠుల వారే పెట్టాడు వశిష్ఠాద బ్రహ్మరుషి బ్రహ్మరుషి అయినటువంటి వశిష్ఠుల వారు ఈ యొక్క పట్టాభిషేకమునకు ముహూర్తం పెట్టారు బ్రహ్మరుషి వశిష్ట ఇస్ ఓన్ విత్ రెస్పాన్సిబిలిటీ రాముని యొక్క కార్నేషన్ Next morning he should be coronated. Kari adhe samyaniki aranyaniki povalsochindi. The same time he has to be sent to jatakam yokka tappa leka muhurtham tappa. Does the mistake lie leka pettivari tappa or the person there? Kaadu kaadu. No. Idi kevalamu Rama sankalpame deeniki moola kaaranam. It's only the will of Rama that is the cause. దీనికి ఇంకా కొన్ని చరిత్రలు బ్యాక్గ్రౌండ్ లో ఉంటున్నాయి ఒకనొక సమయం లోపల కైక దగ్గర చాలా సన్నిహితంగా ఉంటున్న సమయంలో రాముడు కైకతో చెప్తూ వచ్చాడు అమ్మా దీనికి నీవు సంసిద్ధంగా ఉంటుండాలి మదర్ యు బీ రెడీ ఫర్ రాక్షసంహార నిమిత్తమై నేను అరణ్యానికి పోవాల్సి వస్తుంది టు కిల్ కొన్ని అపకీర్తులు వస్తాయి వచ్చినప్పటికీ నీవు ఏమాత్రము దాని లక్ష్యం చేయవద్దు నన్ను అరణ్యానికి పంపించేటువంటి కోరిక నీవు కోరుకో యూ రాముే మొట్టమొట్ట కైకు చెప్పాడు సో రామాయణంలో కూడా లేదు చెడ్డది కానే కాదు కైక చాలా మంచిది రాముల విషయం లోపల ప్రాణ సమానంగా చూసుకునేటువంటిది భరతుని కంటే రామునంటే చాలా మరింత ఇష్టము షీ లవ్ డ్రామా మోర్ దాన్ భరత కన్న కుమారుని కంటే పెంచిన కుమారుని పైన ప్రేమ మరింత అధికము More than her own son, she loved Rama much more. Both of them know this secret. 
So you see such a beautiful twist in the tale. This was an excerpt from the discourse that Bhagwan delivered on the 22nd of May 1996 during the summer course in Indian culture and spirituality in the auditorium to the students. And Swami says clearly in the clip that this is not recorded in any Ramayana and it is true because it is not even recorded in the Ramakatha Rasavahini. Right. <laughs> it is not recorded in any Ramayana and that's why blessed indeed are we to get this. But you know Prem, once we get this perspective that you know Rama has told Kaikei that in the future a situation will arise where you have to send me to the forest. At that time, don't be fearful. Boldly send me to the forest. From this, you will get apakirti. Swami says you will get ill fame. People will criticize you. They will lambast you. But don't, don't. And this is a kind of promise that Rama elicits from Kaikei. A promise that he doesn't even elicit from Kausalya or anybody else because you know Rama has not come to enjoy and revel in the kingdom of Ayodhya. He has come on a mission. In fact, he has promised, we discussed that in the beginning of the Ramkata Rasvayani, that he has come down to annihilate Ravana. And Ravana is in Lanka and you know, the beauty of Kaika is that not only does she love Rama so much that she is ready to do anything he says. Anything. Huh? See, this is something amazing. Just yesterday there was a speaker, I had attended a satsang in the mm-hmm. double decker and he was saying about how in the Satcharitra, Shirdi Sai Satcharitra, it's mentioned about how a person goes to Shirdi Baba and he says what I should do and Shirdi Baba says you go to such, such and such, I don't remember the names, uh, some hill or some mountain and you meditate there. And he says, Baba, no Baba, I don't want to leave you and go. You know, we think that is love. That even when Swami tells us to do something, we say, no Swami, me, that is not as important for me as you are. That is only attachment at the physical level. True love, Swami says, true love comes only with sacrifice. And you know, here Kaika was being asked to make the ultimate sacrifice. I remember our satsang we had on the three zeros where the first kind of sacrifice is where we sacrifice our wealth and resources for God. Next, where we sacrifice our relationships and friendships for God. But we said the ultimate and the most difficult kind of sacrifice is to sacrifice our self-esteem, the good name, the reputation that we have. That is something that we hold very dear to us. In fact, there will be instances in history and mythology where people have given up family, people have given up relationships, people have given up wealth and resources in order to protect their fair name. And now that fair name which we hold most dear because self-esteem is the thing that is the highest and Rama is asking Kaika that Kaika you love me so much it is only you who have the capability to sacrifice that for my sake you be ready to do it and it is amazing how Kaika is alert actually in such a situation when Mantara comes we went through the whole dialogue sequence within 2-3 sentences when Mantara brings up this issue of sending Rama to the forest Kaika realizes that this is possibly the moment that Rama had referred to and it is time for her to be courageous enough and to live up to her love for Rama and take the step that will demean her in the eyes of everybody in the universe. Very true. You know, many times later when Swami used to mention this, I think we all have been students when Swami narrated this. I think in the 2000s, during the Ramanavami, Swami would mention this of mm. Kaiki's sacrifice. And in the Thrai session, Swami would say, you know, Swami would tell the way Rama describes this favor he wants from Mother Kaiki. He says that, you know, I cannot ask this from anybody else. I'm asking this from you because I know that there's nobody who's as devoted to me as you are. And he tells her the repercussions of this act which she is going to do. You know, she says, the one who loves you the most, my father, he will hate you. Your own son will, you know, turn away from you. For generations to come, people will never name a child after you. Hmm. You know, that is the amount of ill fame which this act will bring. But will you do it for me? I am asking you. When you know who Rama is, when you know who Lord Rama is, and when he says that these are the things which are going to happen, which means these are definitely the things that are going to happen. So you know that this is for sure going to damn your name forever. But still he says, I want you to do this for me. Will you do this for me? You know, uh, we spoke about self-respect the last time. You know, what you are in your own eye 
so many times we are not ready to give up that because our self respect is so much dependent on the respect we get from others exactly mm. right that is why when swami says that the third and the final zero is when you are ready to give up your fame because when you are able to see that self respect as purely as what lord sees you as not as what x y or z sees you as mm. because that is that ultimate leap which you have to take it is not because the lord enjoys the ill fame which comes to you it's not because the lord enjoys you getting a bad name it is because when you see yourself pure in the light of the way the lord sees you that is that ultimate step which you have to take in this journey towards seeing yourself in the true light and that is what kaiki has done here you know it's phenomenal to think of it and the very fact that rama said that only you can do it now if you go back to that entire episode of dashrata trying to convince kaiki how vehemently kaiki held on to those two bones is because she knew that this was the greatest thing of her life i mean this is the best role she could ever play and the most important role she's going to play in the entire ramayana and you know prem like we said there are clues all along even for this fact though swami has revealed it only possibly in 96 i don't know if before 96 swami had revealed but whether it's 96 or 86 it's quite late in the day when you compare yugas okay means it's after thousands of years that the lord himself decided to redeem a dear devotee of his so even though we don't know this actually we pay attention to the story of the ramayana as written by valmiki or tulsidas we see ample evidence of this first of all it's a shocker as to how 16 to 18 years of love you know rama is possibly in his teenage or maybe he's in his early 20s i don't know I the exact i think many episodes describe about 16 or 17 that's yes. the age in which so so rama is in his advanced teenages and those many years you have loved him and fondled him how in a matter of moments you are able to turn it into such kind of wild hatred such kind of wild anger that is shocking even if you accept that okay something happened that can anger you so much can bring up such hatred now when that has happened we will later on how actually mother kaike rushes with bharata and falls at rama's feet you know and rama actually picks her and says mother this is not what you are supposed to do and she says rama please come back please come back what happened what was the change of heart there you know what is that sudden things from the most noble woman you become the most despicable one and again back to the most noble one these actually give hint that there is something more fundamental that is happening and it is really beautiful the way swami you know reveals it and that is one thing we have to keep in uh, mind dear listeners as we listen to the story as to the drama that is going on at the human level and the divine drama that is going on and this will entirely change our perspective about who are heroes and who are villains the same applies for our life also right prem you know we may criticize somebody as being ungrateful to swami or somebody as being loyal and devoted to swami i feel we have no right and no sufficient information to make such a decision we don't know the past we don't know the future so while it's very tempting you know i cannot claim that i don't criticize i feel every day of my life i criticize somebody or the other but i am definitely trying to reduce it if not cut it off altogether and that is in fact the eighth point in the nine point code of conduct where they say speaking ill of others especially in their absence should be avoided so this gives us one lesson don't you think prem that whatever happens we should think of our own spiritual progress and mind our own business when it comes to matter of spirituality not criticizing and judging others absolutely it just puts a piece of information that where what we call the benefit of doubt you know always goes to the person who is in front of you because it gives you so much of doubt you know you never know whom to judge how to judge a person i think we mentioned this before there is a one of the psychiatrists who does a lot of the patient care through the the process of regression you know it takes a person to his past life and tries to find out what is the reason for his pain or her pain or her uh, depression or whatever so once when he is uh, regressing one of his patients he regresses to a birth where this particular patient it's a lady is a saint 
Hmm. Okay, so he realizes that the kind of uh, spiritual urges which this patient has comes from this birth, where she's been a saint. And she's been a very good saint. And is not like a sage hmm. or somebody who's a recluse who's, you know, got misled. She's uh, led a very saintly life. Hmm. But when he further regresses her, just the life after that of being a saint, she's born a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's shaken up. He's saying, how can somebody who has led a saintly life enter a life of a prostitute? And that's when he writes, you know, in his book, he writes. Which is the book? I mean, this is... I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I think it might be in the book uh, by Dr. Brian Weiss. Okay. Right? Uh. But he writes in that. That's when he realizes the soul actually just takes a life where it has to learn a particular lesson. Mm. You know, what we say as, as a bad birth, as a bad person, as a poor character, whatever it is, it's all in the physical plane. But eventually, the subtle body or the soul just takes a birth through which it has to learn a particular lesson. If it has to learn humility, it will just take a poor birth. If it has to learn equanimity, it will have to take a birth which, you know, is filled with uh, pains and suffering. So the idea that so-and-so is bad because he is living a life like this, you know, it just changes all this concept. And here we see, you know, even those all-time villains, Mm. (laughs) you know, are being redeemed by Swami here. You know, speaking of that, I am reminded, dear listeners, we have a a monk by the name Swami Anubhavanandaji. He is from the uh, Chinmaya Chinmaya Order. Chinmaya Order. And he happened to be at Prashanti and he speaks very well. And he was telling this little anecdote from his life, which I feel is so beautiful and apt over here. Mm -hmm. He was saying that somebody once invited him to inaugurate a gold shop. Okay. He said, so he had to go to the gold shop and this person came and said, Swamiji, it's our pleasure today that uh, you inaugurate this gold shop. And, And he was saying that I have noticed that whatever be a person's profession or whatever be his standing in society, the questions that the person asks are based on that. You know, okay. th- those are the kind of questions they'll ask. So at the end of that inauguration, he said, Swamiji, what can I give you? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was saying that, you know, I knew that if I ask for the shop, he's not going to give it to me anyway. <laughs> so I just said that I don't want it. He's a very humorous person. He said, I don't want it. And then uh, it came to the time of, you know, asking some questions. So this jeweler asked a very interesting question. He asked, he said, Swamiji, if I give you an golden idol of Ravana, Hmm. and a golden idol of Rama. Which one will you choose? So then uh, Swamiji said, uh, Swami Anubhavanandaji, he said, you tell me what do you think I'll choose? Said, Swamiji, there's no doubt only in that. Your love for Rama, especially Krishna, it's the same avatar, right? Same uh, God, Narayana. I'm sure you'll pick Rama. He said, are you done? Now can I ask something? He said, yes. Which one is heavier? He asked. He says, I'll take the one that is heavier because I'm not looking at the form. I want the substratum, which is valuable. And he began his discourse, which went on the lines of how we get deluded by the form and forget the substratum. We color the substratum, which he says is actually uniform in everything. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, the bountiful, the poor, in everything the substratum is the same. And therefore, we are supposed to have the same kind of reverence or the contempt, whatever we have, for everything. It is illusion and delusion of the highest order to worship something and criticize something because everything is made of gold. So if you like gold, you love everything. I don't care if it's a Ravana idol, you know, if there's more gold in that, I'll pick that because that's going to give me greater benefit. So I mean, this is such a beautiful anecdote which teaches us the fundamental reason why we should not criticize or judge because in a gold shop, everything is made of gold, whatever might be the ultimate form. It might be in the form of a gun, it might be in the form of an idol of Lord Ganesha, but the basic material is gold and if we truly love gold, it should not matter whether it comes in the form of a gun or in the form of Lord Ganesha. Once when Swami was describing of uh, the journey which devotees go through, Hmm. when they come to Swami's presence or the presence of a Mahatma, Swami would say that, you know, especially when an avatar comes, and it's different when it's a spiritual master, because those who come to a spiritual master will come with a certain amount of spiritual understanding, or they would come with a certain amount of focus. Readiness. Right? 
mean hmm. you would go to a advaitic master only if you are in that uh, advaitic field interested of mind, in that correct right? huh. but if you look at swami and avatar comes the form and the it's so benign that it is open for everybody you may be a householder you might be a businessman you might be somebody who's i remember i think we had a conversation with some person very interestingly very openly said i came because i was looking for good son-in-laws for my daughter you know <laughs> he said you know swami is open for everybody but swami mentioned when he was talking to this devotee he said whichever level you are in when you come in contact with an avatar you progress from that level mm. you know you might not you know take the whole mile you might not do the whole journey in that one birth but whichever level you are in you progress spiritually to the next level if you are a jignasu you become a jnani if you are an arthati you become a jignasu so whatever is your level you you get one step ahead and that is what happens in the presence of an avatar and that's why the avatar is open for everybody and uh, i think you know when you look at the ramayana if you look at the story of bhagavatam or ramayana that is the beauty of the story itself you know if that is the case with the master that's the case with the story itself because the ramayana can give you moral and discriminatory knowledge for a person who is looking at what is right to do what is wrong to do how to behave as a king how to behave as a subject at the same time when you look at it in the light of what you said when you look at the substrate when you look at the essence of that story it can also benefit one who is an advaitin you know that mm. is the beauty of the ramayana that is the beauty of bhagavatam very perfectly put prem and uh, going back to the story the time is almost getting complete so we'll just move a little more ahead in the story and dear listeners as we said when we discuss the story from now on let us always keep in mind this dual threads that are running one at the human level one at the divine level that is going on so what happens here is once kaika has said all this and the night progresses and there is actually music and revelry that is being heard from elsewhere and this adds adds to the sorrow of king dasharatha it adds to his heartbreak because what was before music to his ears has now become a painful reminder of the horrible woman that his wife is and the painful separation that he is going to suffer separation from rama and so the night progresses and the roles have now reversed it is now kaike who is seemingly a triumphant in her looks she is standing full of energy and apparent equipoise with a kind of bursting excitement and it is emperor dasharatha who is on the floor moaning and groaning and his crown has fallen off his head his angavastram that is the top cloth covering has you know opened up and he literally looks like a warrior on his deathbed you know that is a kind of uh, situation late in the night when actually sumantra that is the good minister of uh, dasharatha who enters the chambers you know with permission because it's quite late in the night the king has a big day tomorrow it is you know it is his duty to remind the king that oh king oh emperor in your excitement please do not forget to take some rest because it's a big day tomorrow you have to be in the best of your physical and mental health and alertness and when he enters he sees the scene and now it is sumantra's turn to be shocked and as he gets shocked he wonders what has happened and he asks oh emperor what is this this is this is the day when you are supposed to be walking 7 inches in the air you're supposed to be in the 7th heaven what is this you're doing collapsed on the ground like this what has happened has any calamity befallen and dasharatha is only moaning oh rama oh rama and sumantra gets fearful he thinks has something happened to rama but but i have just seen rama and come i don't think he is all fine what is this that's happened so he asks mother kaika what is it that has happened mother kaika says nothing and that is when dasharatha he opens his mouth and he says to sumantra he says sumantra i don't know i can't explain to you what has happened you just go and call rama here summon rama here and you know you will get to know everything i just cannot say it now i i think possibly dasharatha is going through that pang where he feels that 
This is a news that his heart can endure only one more time. After that, he may not be alive to even share this. So, he wants to do it in Rama's presence itself. So, he says to Sumantra that you please immediately summon Rama here. And Sumantra is like shocked because at this time in the night, you know, it's almost the break of dawn in a few hours. Rama will be ascending the throne. Are you sure that you want me to call him now? It's so late in the night or so early in the morning and Dasharatha says, yeah, you just go and call him. And Sumantra sets out in his chariot to summon Rama to the queen's chambers, that is Kaike's chambers in the palace, which is the magnificent one by the name Vardhamana. And just looking at the story superficially again, you know, not going into the essence which Swami is so beautifully drawing our attention to. You know, there's another beautiful lesson that we can learn from here. You know, we spoke of Dasharata, the valor of Dasharata. It is believed that Dasharata was called to fight on behalf of the gods and the gods were facing, uh, you know, invincible uh, demons. And we spoke of how Dasharata shot an arrow and closed the doors of Lanka mm. to prove his prowess. So here is a man who's, who was an unrivaled warrior. Mm. You know, he had uh, kind of silenced every enemy around. He's as man a man can be. Right. And when you describe that when he was lying on the floor like a warrior in his last moments, you know, isn't this a beautiful lesson that Swami is giving us that a man can be strong, you know, his arms can be mighty enough to fight any enemy. But that one flaw of attachment which you have can fell you like an arrow which, you know, gives you that fatal blow. That's all that, you know, mattered here. Finally, he was attached to this one son, Rama, and that was enough to bring him to his knees. He fought so many demons, he fought so many warriors, but this one attachment was that weak point. And as you know, the saying goes, the chain is as weak as the weakest link. You know, Prem, this gives rise to a question, an interesting question as to what's wrong in being attached to Rama. After all, isn't Rama divine? So, doesn't Swami say that give up all your attachments but be attached to God? In fact, Swami says, as your attachment to God grows stronger and stronger, your attachment to the world grows weaker. And that is the way to achieve union with God, which leads to permanent happiness because happiness is union with God. So, the question arises, why why does Dasharatha have to suffer because of his attachment to Rama? I think that is a very interesting question and possibly we can take it up during the next satsang on Ramkatara Savahini. So dear listeners, hope you have enjoyed this Ramkatara Savahini story as much as we have. It is really a beautiful experience and Swami has given us not only just one story of Ramayana which is capable of conferring bliss, He has actually given us two perspectives on the same Ramayana which simply doubles the bliss. So with gratitude to Swami and to Lord Hanuman who is always present wherever the glory of Sri Rama is sung, we bring this afternoon satsang to a close. All your feedback, any queries, any doubts, any questions, anything that you want to share, you can do so by writing to us at listener at radiosai.org. That is listener at radiosai.org. We now leave you with this bhajan. Sai Ram, thank you.
Sairam. You just heard an episode of our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 27th November 2014. Dear listeners, we hope you like this program. As always, send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and loving Sai Ram from Prashanthi Nilayam.